Welcome everyone. It is time for another spotlight interview here at Deconstructor of Fun. Today is going to be a confessional for me because I'm going to reveal how ignorant I am about user acquisition and how the whole marketing technology stack works because I'm here today with Yevgeny Perez, a the EVP of product strategy at uh, AppsFlyer. Um, uh, Yevgeny knows this tech and this world inside and out. And we were talking about what we could possibly, what would be a great topic for an interview. And he started throwing around words that, you know, I've heard before and Eric Seifert, you know, mentions all the time. Um, and I was like, Hey, I actually have no idea what, what that means. Like I just pretend I don't know what an MMP is. I don't know the difference between apps flyer and something, something and this company and that company. And I've been on games that have spent millions and millions of dollars in user acquisition, but I'm on the game silo, not on the marketing stack silo. And so I'm just really excited for uh, Yevgeny to be here and to, um, you know, educate me and uh, listen to my confession of ignorance and help me just become a better game developer because I'll understand more about this critical uh, component of running modern live service games. So Yevgeny, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, happy to hear to be here as you make this confession. Uh, <laughs> here to support you. <laughs> Holding your hand. Yeah, this the the audience is just thinking like, oh, I knew Ethan was a idiot this whole time, and now he reveals it, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> let's kick him off the podcast. M- makes makes it boring now. Yeah, exactly. That's interesting. Less speculative. Speculative. Less speculative now that you know yeah. that I'm ignorant. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. So, uh, can you uh, tell us? Uh, start by telling us a little bit about your history and background in the games industry. Sure. So, so currently, I'm 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 with Appslar. Uh, soon to be six months, uh, leading uh, its uh, product strategy. I joined the industry almost exactly ten years ago. It was uh, December 9th, uh, twenty twelve. Uh, looking at the date today, and I joined a company called Supersonic Ads. Uh, back then, a rewarded ad network, kind of stepping into mobile, and uh, my role was to kind of kickstart the way uh, into uh, mobile in terms of products, uh, products operations, and, and and strategy. And and this is kind of also in terms of timing where uh, say mobile free to play started scaling up. So I, I so I was I was lucky to grow. Um, Kind of with, within the industry and with the industry uh, during the last 10 years, um, within a couple of years, the company was acquired by Iron Source, where I ended up leading product strategy and, and the innovation lab. And I was kind of there, you know, working with great people from within and, 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 and on the game dev side uh, when big things happen, big launches, big kind of, you know, the evolution of the hyper casual, I want to say business model rather than, than a genre, you know, big, big games going up into the top grossing, going down uh, over and over again. And a lot of that was working with, with, uh, with the teams on how to embed rewarded ad products into the games, into the core uh, gameplay, uh, the core loops, uh, where the rewarded products are, products are essentially less of an ad product, but rather an alternative payment method. Uh, if you will, work closely with the marketing teams, developing with them the, the methodologies, the best practices, and, and later on also the products together and how 
can they essentially grow their games into uh, great businesses. Very happy uh, with, with that journey, very lucky and grateful. And yeah, I'm here to, for the next, at least for the next 10 years to, to see how it keeps growing. Wonderful. And, and just, you know, again, because um, I've only worked at game development companies, so kind of the ad tech side is a little more mysterious to me. What does your day-to-day look like as, as EVP of product strategy? Kind of what are you, what are you um, working on? What are you trying to push forward at AppsFlyer? I think, uh, I mean, it's a great question. Essentially, I'm, I'm trying to uh, split my time between, uh, you know, since I'm um, still in the kind of um, getting to know a lot of the team's companies, huge, it's uh, 1,600 people. So there's a lot of great people to get to know and to understand their perspective and things. At the, at the end of the day, uh, it's a combination of a lot of listening to people from within, to to clients, to marketing teams, to uh, partners, to app developers, and trying to digest that into how the company should look like uh, in the future and what should it be focused on. When there's a lot of things that already, uh, you know, when you look at the product line, which is very uh, broad, there's a lot of things that are already mature and they need to evolve uh, around kind of how marketing should look like and, and how marketing the, the marketing tech stack should look like, but also there's a lot of innovation happening kind of behind the scenes, and there's a lot of new great things that are about to be launched. Um, great people are involved in in, in all aspects, so um, trying to provide value there as much as possible. And that's my day to day, having a lot of fun. Great, that's great to hear. So let's um let's anchor us a little bit in the history. Let's let's go back in in the in the way back machine. Um, pretend we're pre-ATT. Uh, I'm leading mm-hmm. a game team. I know we're doing user acquisition. We're using Apps Flyer and we're using all these other ad networks and uh, we're spending all this money every day and we can say, you know, we spent X dollars and installed Y people at ZECPI. But other than that and some kind of high-level dashboards, like it's all... I'm focused on the fun. I'm focused on the monetization. It's all kind of a black box to me. Um, what's Apps Flyer's role in this chain of events? What are my user acquisition people using Apps Flyer for? You know, I, I hear plenty mm-hmm. of acronyms that I pretend to know what they mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, I cannot tell you what MMP stands for right now. Uh, is Apps Flyer an MMP? And w- what is an MMP, right? They, so pre-ATT, kind of where where did Apps Flyer fit in, yeah. fit in the ecosystem? So I, I, um, I, I was lucky to be there when kind of things evolved uh, for Apps Flyer and for similar companies back then. But it's, it's a great example for product market fit. But essentially, you had this booming ecosystem uh, ecosystem of, of apps uh, that are turning to grow these apps into profitable businesses. Uh, and this is kind of where AppStar started uh, back in the early days as an MMP, when MMP stands for for uh, historically a mobile measurement uh, partner. I think it evolved into a mobile measurement platform over the years. Um, and that was kind of the initial layer, uh, not only not only in terms of terminology, but also in terms of the product focus back then. So it was how do you create this, uh, how do you put the, the right technology in place within the app itself to measure um uh, the user journey uh, properly uh, within the app um and analyze um how uh, that user uh, progresses within a game in the context of gaming but also uh, uh more important than that connecting it to the context of of the journey from outside of the app because in, in this life cycle of developing a game 
as it, as the game is kind of ready uh, to be published uh, and deployed in the app stores, um, one of the first SDKs that are usually integrated, and in, in I assume you can agree with that, would be uh, this small group of SDKs that are actually there for the purpose of kind of surviving the initial soft launch, making the right decisions. And a big part of that is measuring where those where are those users coming from, in what context, what created what journey. You know, today it's what custom product page they're coming uh, from. Uh, you know what. Uh, Geo they're coming from, uh, what keyword are they coming from? And in that context, make uh, the right decisions. Uh, where do I deploy my resources tomorrow? How do I allocate budgets? How do I uh, decide on bidding strategies? And that that was kind of the initial kind of uh, essential layer uh, of the product. And on top of that layer, a lot of uh, innovation has uh, has been developed over the years. Uh, so it kind of it, the, the the measurement part is just the, the pipes, but how do you collaborate with all the different players? I mean, I think you mentioned like all these different ad networks, and my marketing team is integrated with this and that. Uh, so how do you enable the the and, and empower uh, that collaboration within the uh, ecosystem? So once your game is out there, your marketing team starts to uh, invest. Uh, into growing that game and everything is kind of working seamlessly behind the scenes. Uh, marketing channels know what's happening. Users see ads, they they engage with the product, they come in and they enjoy, hopefully monetize and so on and so on, uh, where the decisions are being, the decisions of today are being uh, recalculated, reanalyzed tomorrow. And, and uh, if things are done properly, uh, day over day, the, the inbound cohorts are growing. Uh, and the and their performance is growing, and they also become profitable. So you can oh, hire yeah. more in, people and, and make in, more games. In in my games, the cohorts always grow, always retain, always profitable. That's that's an ethos. I, I mean, cohort. that's that's, that's how because how great your games are. Right, exactly. <laughs> I think actually, in, in that context, it's it's very interesting because you know you mentioned your uh, you know your confession uh, earlier on, and, and I think it's very interesting because a lot of your decisions have impacted uh, what the marketing team have measured. If you're releasing a new update, if there's you know a, a big sale happening, some A/B test gone wild, uh, and on the other side, you know if you, if suddenly you, you you come in and you look at your analytics and you see you see this huge cord coming in and it behaves completely differently. Retention is subpar. They're not monetizing as well. So you better know that that huge cord came from this new creative or this new influencer campaign, or I don't know, you got right. featured. So the context of where are these users coming in is also critical for the game designers and the product managers and the monetization managers to make the right decisions for onboarding and live ops uh, to maximize that LTV. Yeah, so exactly. it's, like, a, I, it's I, a very interesting. Uh, I, I am familiar enough to, you know, I've had been there a number of times either as like part exactly. of the team or a team leader when you know, you have a day and just it's like the retention looks like dog shit today. Uh, what happened? You know, day one retention is terrible. Yeah. And you, you know, you dig in and you look on the game side for bugs. You look on the community mm -hmm. side, you look on the advertising side and it's, you know, sometimes the solution to the problem is we're testing this new ad network. They did mm -hmm. X. It drove a lot of low quality users Mm -hmm. And you just, you know, sometimes you have to react quickly and turn it off because you uh, are mm -hmm. managing the um, 
you know, the, the, the metrics and the messaging of the thing and having a bunch of people that perform really poorly doesn't, doesn't do any, any good. So I do know a little, I do know a little. But you do know some, you don't, you you do know some of that. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I think, I think it's interesting because sometimes the, the reality is that there's sometimes the equilibrium, if, you know, if the marketing channel found this new super profitable channel, that it's just driving uh a different behavior than you were used to so perhaps that requires treatment on the product side so perhaps mm-hmm. uh readjusting the onboarding making things easier uh, adjusting pricing whatnot so so sometimes the equilibrium is not necessarily maximizing the the the, the, the retention and monetization metrics but rather uh, kind of the overall business metrics so now I've got a little more bearing, a little more knowledge um, about the world pre-ATT. Um, how has the Apps Flyer platform adjusted as the various versions of SK Ad Network have rolled out? I think we're on version four by now, and you know, I as as part of the DOF team, I know we talk about this all the time. It's one of the biggest ongoing stories in mobile game development, and um, everybody is trying to uh, adapt and change and uh, perform uh, in this post-ATT world. So, you know, how has AppsFlyer adjusted? Um, how has the platform and, and product offerings changed? Yeah, I think you just reminded me that uh, my, my first DOF uh, episode was a couple of days after SK2 was announced yep. in ATT. I think that was... Uh, so uh, like two and a half years yeah. ago. Um, that was a big, a lot, a lot of people been, listen to that one. That was, uh, well. uh, I, I, I'm sure they, they left it as clueless as they came. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it was an interesting period in time and we're still in the midst of that uh, transformation, uh, which is very interesting uh, for the industry as a whole. And I think that, I mean, SK is, is, is a part of that. Uh, I mean, there there are the changes on this uh, on the track of privacy of, of how you know how uh, how the digital digital ecosystem should be um, designed uh, in a better privacy preserving manner. And SK Network was one of the frameworks introduced um, back then and evolved since you know two uh, two two dot oh two two dot two three now four. Um, and um, I mean, the the the, the interesting part. Uh, for us is that it created this uh, additional uh, framework, another measurement uh, framework that creates another perspective. Um, and as things have, have evolved, and I, I don't want to go into too many details, but um, the implementation of SK, and hence the amount of listeners to that episode, I assume, raised a lot of questions. So not only in terms of how do I implement that into my organization and make the right marketing decisions based on that, framework, which uh, in terms of adoption uh, is, is still very far from uh, or, or not even getting close to that being the single framework. And, um, and we, we address that with our single source of truth um, uh, product that, that I'll, uh, I guess I'll, I'll share in a bit. But the, the implementation required a lot of handholding and a lot of thought invested in how do we allow for the average app developer to implement SK Network in terms of managing the signal sent to uh, through Apple 
to all the different marketing channels called the conversion value. What is the best strategy and how to implement that and how to communicate that properly. It's very similar to what I mentioned earlier around how do we collaborate uh, or enable collaboration between the app developers uh, and all the different partners that they, they engage with um, on the behalf of the developer. Um, and um, a lot of innovation has happened there for us and a lot of um, interesting adoption uh, over the last years that evolved into this point where we uh, we can confidently say that in this balance, and I think in that episode two and a half years ago, we discussed kind of this balance between being privacy-centric and having actionable insights. How will that balance uh, evolve uh, for the sake of the market? And we can confidently uh, now say that I would believe it's not a zero-sum game. So you can provide amazing, actionable insights while still uh, doing that in a privacy-preserving manner. Um, and a big part of that is, at the end of the day, is marketing teams, especially marketing teams, make their decisions based on aggregated metrics. So they look at a certain campaign, a certain creative, a certain cohort. They look at how much they spent, how did that, uh, what did that turn into in terms of yield, and make the, the, these optimization decisions, whether it's changing bidding strategies, changing bids, allocating budgets, uh, optimizing creatives, uh, uh, exploring new channels. And all of these decisions are done on an aggregate level. It doesn't really matter whether a specific user costs $12 that came from this app, but rather the whole sum of the context uh, of, of where did that group of users come from. And how did they perform for that action to be uh, actionable uh, tomorrow morning for optimization's uh, sake? So the development of our um, conversion studio kind of supports the, the uh, how to uh, allow app developers to implement the signal properly. And uh, at this uh, same time, uh, how do we provide this new reality? And 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 and, and, and a big part of our uh, understanding uh, over the last years also is that there is no one single framework that is the right one. Uh, there's SKN network, there's incrementality, there's media mix modeling, there's a lot of impact uh, measurement, there's uh, conversion modeling. So there's a lot of different uh, perspectives. I want to say they, they all provide, they each provides a partial solution. But when you kind of stitch it together in our current product, such as uh, uh, modeling to combined with the SK network, uh, provides that confidence, that reality um, to make the right decisions and to justify spend. Because if you can justify spend, a lot of our game, uh, a lot of the gaming companies, if they can not spend just as much, they'll need to slow down. Right. Uh, you know, they, they need to lower their headcount and may, might kill a game or two. Um, and um, the need for that layer to help you, uh, guide you through those decisions uh, is even stronger now than ever before. Uh, so we're definitely very proud of these uh, two solutions uh, that are uh, being adopted uh, very heavily so far. Right, because when I'm on, you know, when you're on one of these live operated games with the heavy live ops and heavy UA investment, um, you know, I almost think about user acquisition and cohort acquiring as buying bonds. Like that's, mm -hmm. that's kind of the model in my head is it's almost like you're buying a bond with a variable daily dividend. You're making an investment mm -hmm. and depending on the type of game and how retentive it is and how 
um, how it monetizes, um, you might have a game where your bond, you know, breaks even uh, 90 days from now, 180 days from now. If you're, you know, those are really good payback windows. If you're like a, a mid-core uh, developer, mm-hmm. it might be a two, a 360 day or 720. Yeah. I've heard companies buying against yep. 720 day payback windows, right? And you can't, you don't have the um, luxury to make an investment today and wait for two years to see if it was profitable or not. You have to, uh, from what I picked up through osmosis from being in the room, is that people are making predictive decisions on you know day one, day seven, based on how you know a certain set of creative and targeting and bids are performing on whether to keep bought, you know buying those bonds, keep making that investment or not. So the more, you know, it's just, it's one of those things where you need as much information and the best data as you possibly can to be um, making these investment decisions and having confidence that you can keep um, spending the money and that you're not just setting it on fire. Yeah, yeah spot on. I, um, th- that's that's the challenge that we're, we're after. A lot of investment there in, uh, in, into modeling uh, and, and, and providing that visibility. Uh, you know, combine everything you said also with with the the macro economic uh, downturn, right? And how how these bonds, like these cohorts that were acquired six months ago or a year ago, that you were assuming that they will spend this much by now, a lot of these cohorts will never be profitable. Will mm-hmm. never become profitable. Uh, and 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 in some games, it really impacts live ops and and, and the economy of a game over time. Uh, sometimes. Might might generate more damage than good. Um, definitely interesting times, and I think it actually uh, opens the opportunity to for us to innovate at least uh, and provide value on which uh, tools can we provide to lower CPIs effectively, and which tools can we provide um, to help with personalization, increasing LTV, answering those questions and supporting um uh things in app um after the users were acquired whether it's through uh retargeting or seg- uh, segmenting the users in app and 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 uh, you know think about it even in the context of, of, of where the users were acquired um so there's a lot to do there especially now when the pressure is is, is on um and um i think also on the level of uh Helping the teams that now have less resources, less uh, less hands on deck um, to execute throughout throughout all these tasks. Um, so, how, how do we productize and 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 um, and, and uh, accelerate all these decisions, making them better, and uh, and and uh, and and helping uh, the teams uh, avoid uh, the big mistakes as well. Yeah. So I've you know my my. Game design is kind of my core skill set and, and the monet, you know, where game design and monetization intersect. That's kind of what people know me mm-hmm. for. And so this whole time, you know, as I've been following the ATT changes and how it's changed user acquisition, um, I have a view and, and maybe it's a naive one that, um, the result of these changes in targeting basically mean uh, that one, you know, game devs need to create uh, better 
ads better creative to compensate mm-hmm. for uh, worse targeting tools. That two, it just that has the effect of raising eCPI by some percentage. I don't know what mm-hmm. it is, but in my head, I'm like, okay, so like our targeting tools are worse and uh, every user costs probably 15 or 20% more is like mm-hmm. kind of the end of the day guess. Um, it's been, it's been a while since I've been on the live ops side. So I don't know. Um, Cause I was, you know, I've been building new products basically. Um, and three, it means that on the operation side and on the kind of feature development side and event side, we have to do a better job retaining our users. Probably yep. retention is more important than ever. And we have to do a better job of monetizing those users to generate the same revenue as before. So probably, Mm -hmm. you know, in my head, I'm just like, oh, we have to retain people better. We probably have to be a little more player focused, a little less um, harsh on the monetization side and, you know, make better ads. And and that's how we get to the same performance we did before. Um, From your perspective, is this, am I right? right-ish? Is this totally naive? Like how, you know, nuts and bolts of it, how has this change affected uh, how live operations happen and kind of how the ROAS models all work? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you're completely wrong. Uh, No, I'm just kidding. Um, It's it's, it's a nice way. uh, Finally, someone someone is telling you that. Truth to power. Yeah. Yeah. No, so I think it's a nice way to simplify the, the, the challenger. So, so one of the outcomes of, you know, ADT and ADT is just one part of many big things that are happening uh, within the, these last couple of years that are transforming our industry uh, is the ability of certain marketing platforms, um, acquisition channels, uh, whatever you call it, the ability, their ability to optimize and 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 uh, reach the right audiences uh, at the cost that we were used to. Uh, and the outcome of that is some of these channels and some of them are very pretty big ones reached a point that you know the fundamental uh, metrics just completely uh, they behave completely differently. So the, the amount of users that you can reach at what cost? And you mentioned it kind of okay. So CPIs are going up. So that that would be one of the main reasons. Um, and um, not only that, um, the ability to acquire the audiences that you were used to, so these lookalikes or, or audiences that right. you were you were used to that they were used to monetize as well. So the ability to reach those users uh, has been harmed because these platforms are are kind of uh, flying blind. And um, so so the outcome of that is also while your CPIs are going up, your LTV is not necessarily in the same spot going down. Mm-hmm. You know, at you know, add some 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 uh, macro economy uh, elements. So, so it just uh, kind of the forces uh, keep uh, keep pushing uh, the studios to make tough decisions. Um, one of, I mean, there's many levers um, that are kind of between the audience that you're trying to reach and the, the install. There's many things that you can play with in terms of bidding strategies. Creative is definitely one of them. Um, your app store page, the list, the listing page, custom product pages, product page optimization, um, you know, all the store listing uh, optimization. There's a lot of steps uh, in that funnel that mm-hmm. can 
lower your CPIs. They were always there. I mean, custom product pages is a new one, but but they didn't get the right attention. So creative got a, a lot of attention. Um, so, I mean, from Opsar's perspective, the biggest thing that we're seeing, and that's kind of, uh, it's me kind of, kind of uh, bearing good news, is the impact of single source of truth. Because, you know, this, this philosophy that we'll need to stitch many different measurement frameworks together to provide this single reality to make decisions, what we're seeing so far when, when we're kind of stitching SK network um, and, and combining it together, we're seeing that actually thanks to how SK network measures things in terms of um, attribution windows, how deterministic it is, uh, the, the, the sources, uh, the, the transparency that, that is providing by that framework, suddenly the CPIs that you thought you're getting, which went up when you apply a single social truth, you're actually seeing significantly lower. I mean, for some for some developers, we're seeing an eCPI decrease of 60, 70%. With that, you also have more revenue attributed to those users because at the end of the day, once you kind of uh, stitch together these frameworks and you remove the duplicates, you still spent $100,000 yesterday on a certain campaign. You thought 100,000 users arrived, but actually it was from those $100,000, uh, uh, 200,000 users came mm. and previously they were unattributed or organics. And now suddenly you get the, the understanding of where they're coming from. So a single source of truth allows you to actually spend more, allocate budget more to these incremental uh, channels that uh, are providing these uh, touch points. And that's, that's big news uh, and it needs to be implemented properly. Uh, not an easy one. Um, I think in, another interesting uh, of best practices you know you touch the what can i do as the producer as the you know w w within the product within the game what can i do and you know i mean obviously there's live ops and, and the different uh, aspects of that the, the uh, you know appstar fuels a lot of the in-app audiences i mean rsdk is there it gets it understands the context and can, you know you can pull you can define the audience uh, logic the, the rules behind the audience that you can pull that and and make decisions uh, based on that insight on where the, which audience does that user belong um, based on what you, what you define and create this different treatment for users. Um, and I think, and this is actually not related to iOS whatsoever. This is actually um, something very hip, very interesting happening or about to happen soon with the, with the Google's privacy sandbox, which is uh, the Fledge framework. And, and um, I, you know, I assume not, not everyone are familiar with that, but basically what, what this, uh, it's a big, it's, it's, it's a one of a few parts, one of four parts that are introduced in Google's privacy sandbox. Essentially, it allows in a privacy preserving manner for you to take action on, on, on users that have already downloaded your game and are playing it and uh, re-engage with them and retarget them outside of the app. Right. Uh, I remember but a the lot way of times is you get further and further into the life of a game you're doing, I, you know, I'm not, I don't know the actual percentages, but you might be doing as much retargeting of people mm -hmm. who've played and spent money in your game before lapsed players. You might be doing as much or more of that as you are of trying to get new people to try your game. Exactly. And, and I think it's actually going to grow even, even, even further because uh, a, I guess the pressure on, not only making things profitable, but rather increasing LTVs will rise. Mm -hmm. And I assume you will agree with that. 
um, and, um, and and maybe historically it was kind of balanced between the marketing and, and product teams. But now I think my, my, the balance might change. But specifically this framework, which I, uh, um, you know, I, I don't want to go in, in, into too much detail, but it, in a way, it, I mean, it's running on device, but in a way it allows and streamlines for many, many more uh, people and many more, more channels to engage with this uh, retargeting strategy. Because so far it's been quite a headache and most mm. studios have not implemented it uh, at all or at scale. Uh, but this is a very interesting uh, framework that should you know, allow for a lot of needle movement there. Because at the end of the day, there's so many people that have downloaded your game that are not playing it, that right. haven't played it for like a week or two, but they're still out there. So, you know, you can you can try push notifications. You know, that's one way in live ops can address that, but they're still out there. And, and, and now you can find them much easier and take action. So this is super interesting. Uh, looking forward to seeing that uh, evolve. And I think it will it will be a big needle mover for, for the studios. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the um, interesting things is, fr- from what I understand, this change is done is, um, you know, I remember hearing the term spear phishing a lot, right? Like we might be... You might say, hey, um, here's a bunch of users that have spent $20,000 or more inside of my game. Now, magical mm-hmm. um, algorithm, go find more people who look like these people. And yep. the algorithm does mysterious things. And then like some people show up. And, and because the algorithm is doing mysterious things and producing results, you can ignore some of the other tools you have. Um, in your toolbox, like making mm-hmm. better, more targeted ads, yes. doing research on your users and finding out their motivations and interests, optimizing your store page, trying different icons, trying different catchphrases, et cetera. What? You mean doing your job. <laughs> right. You let the magical algorithm yeah. do it. Yeah. Um, and so now you might have to uh, do some like say – okay, well, let's find out who these people who spend $50,000 are or more in our game and or maybe just come up with hypotheses like, you know, I bet people who go fly fishing in Aspen, which is an expensive rich person activity in an expensive rich person vacation city, right? Like, I bet people who go fly fishing in Aspen are high spending players in our game. What advertisement can we craft to try and reach fly fishers in Aspen or who've been to Aspen, right? Like you yeah. have to do the work that the magical algorithm did. Yeah. Right. And that's, that's, a and I think thing. also you, I mean, you'll get less of them in your game. So the mm-hmm. game will, will change. Mm-hmm. Um, economy will change. Onboarding will change. Uh, live ops will change. Uh, it's less relying on these, you know, um, whales that were, you know, the, the spear phishing strategy, but at the, eventually it will be harder. Um, um, so, you know, we'll, we'll need to adapt. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's the fun part here, this challenge. Yeah. So you've, you've used a term a, a number of times, single source of truth. Can you explain what you mean by single, you know, what, what do you mean by single source of truth and, and why is it so important? The, the evolution of, of, of privacy um, and, and how it impacts our industry, it allowed uh, different measurement frameworks that, you know, most of them were, were already there. Even SK Network was there, I think, since 2018. 
uh, but it opened this um, um, or forced the, the, the industry into looking at different frameworks and kind of looking through them and seeing a certain reality. And each framework provides uh, certain answers in a certain way. Um, and there's plenty of them, and I'm sure there will be new ones developed over the years. Um, and But it's very easy for us at this stage to say that there's no single measurement framework that answers all the questions. I mean, it's very easy to understand uh, you know how much you know how much money was spent and where, but to understand the impact of those uh, of that investment in, in, in each uh, lever that was applied, the bidding strategy, the creative, the 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 Aspen uh, fly fishing strategy, whatever it is, understanding its impact, each framework will provide a different answer. Um, and at the end of the day, you have these. Uh, you know, you, you have the marketing teams making very big decisions in terms of resources. In many cases, it's the biggest uh, expense of, of a company, uh, you know, spending uh, six, seven figures a day sometimes. Um, and, and they need to uh, trust uh, the reality upon their making their decisions on. Um, so whatever they're seeing uh, and making decisions, if, if, if they made a certain decision based on what they saw, and they are expecting a certain outcome. If they come the next day or the week after and that out outcome did not occur, sometimes a big part of that is that they were only looking at a partial uh, reality hmm. due to using a single framework or kind of putting uh, all eggs in, 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 in one basket. And when you um, combine that with, with understanding that it, uh, this privacy versus actionable insights is not a zero sum game, there's, uh, you know, there's many different frameworks that are privacy preserving uh, that are uh, being deployed. The answer has to be a single reality for you to make those decisions. Because if you go to certain, you know, you ask the same question to different frameworks, you get a different answer. How do you make a decision? And and stitching different different frameworks is 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 an is an interesting uh, uh, Rubik's cube challenge. And uh, kind of our initial uh, take on that is combining SKN network with what people are used to, um, and um, and actually utilizing the SKN network itself to stitch the data and kind of mark the, the duplicates. Um, and the outcome is 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 I mean just by looking at the adoption, uh, understanding how positive it is, uh, and and the big part of that is just because it allows you know in a trustworthy way people to make better decisions the next day. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a good explanation of how that, you know, black box works. Um, and uh, it's building the right trust to make those decisions. And it's an ongoing process for us to keep evolving it. We'll, we'll have a couple interesting releases uh, coming up soon uh, to provide this uh, depth and, 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 uh, and trust and trust in that to, to make it even more actionable and embedded into the day-to-day -day of, of the marketing teams. So let me, let me see. Um, this is where my ignorance superpower comes in. I try and get, see if I actually understand okay. what I heard. Um, if, if I understand right, what you mean is I might have, I might be, let's just pretend I'm running ads on two different networks and on mm -hmm. one day, you know, I see from my in-game analytics, I had 5,000 installs, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And 
Network One says, uh, we installed 3,000 people for you today. Please give us $10,000. And Network Two says, we installed 3,000 people today. Please give us $10,000. And Apple and the platform provider says, um, you had a thousand organic installs today. You just mm-hmm. look at those yeah. three different things and you say, well, this is impossible. Um, somebody's overcharging me somewhere because I only yep. have 5,000 users today and there's no way that these two different ad networks each installed 3,000 and I had zero organic, like these, you, you know, so the, the, if I understand correctly, single source of truth is actually a product and it ingests these different data streams and then does technology magic and says, you got this many organics, this many people from A, this many people from B. And then you go, hey, Advertising Network A, I'm giving you this much money today because you didn't install all 3,000 and I'm giving you this much money. Is, like, am I, do I understand it so, at all? Am I even so, close? So, so I'm, 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 I'm enjoying this exercise. Uh, I mean, you're getting closer. <laughs> so so, so the, the problem you described is so you you got five thousand users period on that day right and 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 when you kind of combine with other people's claim that they they brought in that's that's not five thousand that's more um so what you're describing is that the problem is that of even something is that something that happens or am i ma- am i making it up? happens a hundred percent and this is this is this was one of the main problems you know going back to the history of you know of kind of the evolution of, of measurement back then, it, this was one of the biggest problems that um, these companies were out uh, uh, to solve is duplication of payment. Uh, because the reality is that total needs to be 5,000 and something that they brought 3,000, but I mean, they did touch those users. They did bring 3,000, but for, I don't know, 500 of them, someone else was last click. So someone else gets the credit. Mm. So today, um, that problem is uh, solved basically uh, for for many years now. The problem that um, you know when 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 you look at you know impact measurement or or SK network, and you spent you know you have five thousand users that came in, but one one framework will tell will will two thousand came from this channel, three thousand were organic, and this framework will tell you four thousand came from a pay channel and only one thousand were organic. So well, well like what do I do? Where, where do I start? Um, and and I think it's 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 an opportunity actually. Uh, be, be, with with the introduction of all these alternative uh, uh, partial measurement frameworks, I mean, there's a good reason for those discrepancies. Mm. I mean, for example, it's SK not, network. It's until, not just ad networks being shady and trying to get all of my no, marketing no, budget. No, no, uh, it's it's uh, they, yeah, no, it's they believe that what they're they they're providing the best data they can using their methodology, right? That's yeah, and it's, it's actually interesting it. that with this product, um, ad networks that were investing a lot of resources in these strategies, in these uh, flying uh, fish uh, fishing expeditions in Aspen, um, but um, you know the the the, the measurement uh, they were used to were giving them a certain credit, but when you look at SK network, actually it thinks it, they deserve two x the credit. So it's very interesting that uh, a lot of these marketing efforts get the, the credit that they deserve with this new combined uh, stitched uh, reality. Uh, and that allows for the marketing teams to go and spend more on these channels, to bid higher, 
to allocate budgets, to optimize better, and to justify that spend uh, overall. So tomorrow's cohort is not 5,000, it's 15,000. And it's critical for these uh, uh, for these teams, obviously, you know, if, if the right actions are being uh, being taken based on the right decisions. Uh, but this single reality answers the question, I mean, if you trust how it's built, it's, it, and you understand it, and it's out there, it's public information how it's built, and, 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 and you create this basically new uh, reality standard that you're relying on. Now it unlocks uh, uh, new capabilities addressing, you know, one of the biggest pains that you mentioned, which is growing CPIs and and, and uh, cost efficiency. So that's what it's after. And the initial stab is SK Network and its evolution, but uh, more to come, obviously. It's so interesting. I haven't really thought about that challenge of justifying your spend. Um, on a daily basis, right? Like if I think about um, Matt Saunders, who was my main marketing partner on Tetris and on a a Donuts game and other games, like uh, as a a producer, I don't have to justify what I'm spending money on that often, right? I might need to say like, hey, um, we have an event in two months and because XYZ happened, we're behind on our art schedule. So I need to spend yeah. X amount more on this vendor yeah. than I was thinking to get the background in time for this event, right? Like that wasn't, this isn't an exercise I was doing every day. Whereas on the marketing side, you need the data, the information, the justification every day. Well, why did I spend $10,000 on this piece of creative in this market on mm-hmm. this advertising channel? And why did I spend this much on like, it's just a completely different, it's, it, it resembles investing a lot is, is it's almost like you're, you're stock trading or, uh, or crypto trading, but you're just, instead of a market, you've, you've got just the game and the different ads yeah. and the different ad inventory. But you so said it, you said it uh, better earlier. I think it's the bonds that every day you're buying, buying bonds that you need to justify and monitor and you don't need to make better decisions day over day. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and, and, uh, it's, it's, it's a business critical basically. Yeah. This is where the competitive edge comes in. So the, the better teams with the better tools, with the better methodologies win, uh, not necessarily the better games. Right. I'll, I'll, uh, you, you need both. I mean, that's, uh, no, I know. <laughs> well, I, I can, you know, I look at hyper casual. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I uh, if if Crest were here, he would help you. Uh, uh, he tell you that uh, hyper casual is mice nuts, but there there are a lot of fun games that that do some good stuff. No, I agree. Um, I agree. No, I'm just kidding. So yeah, <laughs> um, you know, obviously one of the lessons of the past couple of years, and and this should be you know for everybody, like nothing set in stone. Everything changes all the time, especially when there are powerful platform players, regulation changing technology, changing desires and needs and macroeconomic conditions. So, you know, obviously the the mobile advertising industry and the mobile measurement industry has, has gone through an incredible amount of change. Um, you know a lot more than I about what's coming down the pipe from Google and Apple and others. And, you know, how, how do you, when you look ahead we're to, to 2023, how do you feel like uh, measurement will continue to change moving forward? I think... Uh, um... We're, we're, we're in the middle of this, uh, I'm calling it a transformation for lack of a better word, but this like tectonic shift, whatever, um, 
whatever you name it. Um, and it's fascinating to see how, um, you know, which steps and what pace uh, the different platforms take. And, you know, there's, there's been, uh, there's been a lot of action from, from the platforms on Apple side. There, there's been a lot of action from Google side. Um, and, um, you know, um, there's, you know, in this uh, food chain, at the end of the day, if we, if this economy needs to, you know, needs to keep thriving, uh, people are out there uh, for this and the entertainment, they're out there to keep playing games. And, and in order to fuel that, I believe very similar decisions uh, will will need to be made to today. So the methodology is still going to be around, you know, justifying those bonds. Uh, and then how do you, you know, as, as a game producer, how to extract the most out of each bound, uh, bond uh, cohort that arrived. Uh, however, uh, with, with, with privacy changing changes, and we touched it a bit earlier on how it impacts different players and, you know, some more than others, um, you know, we're kind of, you know, uh, you know, while, while the car is, 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 is kind of running uh, 80 miles an hour and, and the, you know, the product manager and the, the, the marketing team is behind the wheel, we're kind of changing uh, engines here. I believe that uh, there's going to be a lot of innovation on that front, a lot of new st uh, standards set around how that engine should be built, uh, but also mostly around how collaboration uh, is happening within the industry. Um, with the understanding that, that you know, it, it doesn't have to be a zero-sum game. So we can um, uh, derive the right insights and make the right actions for the sake of my game, my business, but it needs to be in a private preserving man, uh, matter. And for that to happen, there, there's kind of the, the evolution of the platforms and the policies and, 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 um, and the regulation, but also how does each marketing channel consume insights and make uh, their optimization decisions and for them to go back after those Aspen uh, uh, fly fishermen uh, fishing expeditions. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll start using that more. Uh, uh, it's going to be kind of a, you know, uh, a, a, a very unique audience somewhere in some user acquisition platform. Um, so I, I think platforms will need to do more and, and, um, we're investing a lot heavily, you know, in, in the standards, but also in 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 in, in allowing for that collaboration to keep thriving. Uh, so we have a big big product track with a lot of investment called the Data Clean Room, that essentially allows for different parties to engage um, with their first party data, their CRM uh, combined uh, in this um, uh, Data Clean Room. Uh, and extract aggregated uh, insights that are actionable, uh, and perhaps even you know even 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 collaborate uh, uh, on top of even more uh, first-party data. Something that was not, uh, I want to say, needed or uh, or necessarily uh, top of mind before, but actually uh, create this new standard of collaboration. And I think we're, we're uh, this is something that will evolve in the next two years. A lot of that will be thanks to kind of the evolution of ATT and SK Network. Google, uh, Google's uh, pace with S with the, the privacy sandbox, uh, but you know, uh, regardless, it's already here. I mean, this change is happening. Mm -hmm. Period, and 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 the, these new standards need to be uh, developed and 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 uh, deployed. So a lot of uh, room for innovation and uh, uh, and and partnerships uh, around this. Uh, very exciting. Uh, 
on that front. I think for us also, I mean, we're investing a lot on the product side, obviously, and, and the company uh, is very well positioned to answer these questions um, and is focused um, out of the pure, uh, I want to say, responsibility uh, to address these uh, these challenges. But I think also we're investing a lot in sharing the knowledge yeah. of, you know, um, different platforms, different uh, ways. I mean, uh, right now there's a, there's a big event happening in Berlin. Uh, last week, uh, a big event happening in India. Uh, a lot of kind of bringing the partners, the developers, the marketing teams together, uh, sharing the knowledge, um, bringing a lot of feedback in and kind of networking together, building the, build, building the trust and, 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 and and, and building these relationships to really uh, unlock these um, these capabilities in the future. So definitely, definitely exciting times. Not only in twenty twenty three, but uh, further ahead. Yeah, and I know because I uh, have become the new. I've I've supplanted Mishka as the voice of the advertisements on uh, on Deconstructor Fun, and I recorded and and set to music the ad for uh, App Flyers benchmarks knowledge base uh the other day uh-huh. and that's you know it's shill shill it's a freely available set of uh data that apps flyer is uh 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 putting out there to help you do your job better as a dev and as a marketer are there other uh tools or knowledge bases that we can look forward to that apps flyer is uh working on i know you just mentioned the uh the data so, room uh, tool. Uh, uh, are there other things yeah, that you're I mean, able to tell us about that are coming uh to make our lives easier in the future yeah, of course. Um, I mean, I mentioned the you know the, the the special events. I do see that under the same umbrella of kind of things yeah, that absolutely. are being shipped to market globally. Uh, pretty much everywhere, very high uh, frequency. Um, um, you mentioned the benchmarks. Uh, I haven't heard that ad before. Uh, gonna try and look it up, but uh, definitely interesting. I mean, because of our position as you know with with our market share, uh, with us being kind of this go-to solution for, for, for this mission. Um, very interesting insights. I mean, if you're developing a new game, having your benchmarks set, even modeling kind of your, your business model, like how, you know, how much users do I need to come bring in and how, how well will they monetize over time and how will they retain and how will the cohort stack on top of, of the other? Uh, we have the performance index, which comes out every six months, I believe that, helps guide marketing teams on, on which channels they should be engaging uh, with for what reason and kind of providing these benchmarks on the uh, on, on the partner level. Um, uh, obviously, a lot of investment um, on the product side into, you know, part of the single source of truth is, is also different user journeys. So people engaging with connected TVs, right? So that's not something, for example, SK supports yet. Uh, um, so a lot of investment on this multi-platform uh, approach, uh, uh, you know, consoles, uh, TVs, the different uh, touch points, different journeys uh, for the users. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I mentioned this uh, earlier, but at the end of the day, it's, it's you know, with, with these forces of that are kind of, Focusing the teams to be more effective, investing a lot in 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 in, in allowing that to happen for the teams to make better decisions, collaborate better between you know. I hopefully now that you're you, you know better than you, you hopefully mm-hmm. than than you knew uh, one hour ago, 
how do the teams internally uh, collaborate better and make uh, make the right decisions um, and uh, yeah essentially being there um, uh, with with the developers uh, to help uh, them unlock these capabilities and keep growing their games uh, to better businesses Wonderful. Well, Evgeny, thank you so much uh, for being here and, and for educating me today. I'm less stupid now than I was an hour ago, and uh, I appreciate it and can't wait to share me with too. the audience. Me too. Thank you so much, Ethan. Uh, I enjoyed it very much. You did it. You made it to the end of the episode. As a fan of the show, it would help us out if you subscribe and leave us a review on the podcast service of your choice. More importantly, are you a member of the Deconstructor of Fun Slack group? If you have five years or more of games industry experience, go to deconstructoroffun.com slash slack and apply to join. Join the games industry's best professional community filled with peers always willing to lend a hand. Or subscribe to our newsletter to get all the latest insights from the Deconstructor of Fun content creators. Thanks for listening. <laughs>